What is up, guys? My name is Lucas. Welcome to Just Being Real, a podcast by a pastor and his wife talking about the journey and being what God called him to be, a pastor. What's up, guys? Glad you guys are here. Hope you like this podcast. Give it a subscribe. Enjoy. Well, I tell you what, this has been um, a long week. A long week, but a good week, and and I, I will tell you uh, as we uh, sit down in the studio today, uh, it is good to be with you, and we're glad you're back with us here on our podcast. Just being real, it's a it's a pastor family perspective. Uh, the only thing that's missing here, though, is my beautiful wife. We, uh, of course, you all know her as the beautiful, and I I'm the the bald. So we are known as the bald and the beautiful. So, um, but she's uh, she is not here with me. I'm actually up in Tennessee, Lebanon, Tennessee. And uh, I'm uh, in, in, in a class setting with a good friend of mine that uh, uh, he knows I'm a, I'm a geek, uh, Greek geek nerd. Uh, and I did say that correctly. And so I'm sitting in with him uh, these next few days. And I, got, I convinced him to sit down with us and uh, be on our podcast. And we're going to talk a little bit about church, about the, the, the relationship between pastors and churches and, uh, and churches and pastors. And, and what can we do to help? In that regard, and, and then we're going to just go trust the Holy Spirit and whatever he leads us to talk about uh, what else, uh, we'll do that. So uh, I am sitting in the studio with uh, Jeremiah Bolick. Uh, he is an evangelist with the Church of Nazarene, and I'm telling you, man, he's got some really cool stuff that he's doing right now, him in, uh, in, a, in, a, in a ministry. And I'm just going to kind of shut up, and I'm going to let him introduce himself and tell us where what, what's going on in his life right now in ministry. Well. Uh, just getting back into the swing of things, I think after the quarantine and, yeah. and, uh, still a little bit in a awkward position, I think in that no one really knows what the next, uh, you know, several months are going to look like. We have an election coming up and yeah. then, you know, um, is there, is there, is it, you know, is, is this, uh, we're going to get a vaccine, right? you know, right. What, what's it going to look like? You know, there's, there's a lot of questions in the air, but, uh. You know, I've traveled for, uh, I don't know, I got saved in 1995 um, mm-hmm. and came home from California where I had actually got out of the military. Um, a friend of mine took me to a um, Billy Graham crusade and I got radically saved, just mm-hmm. had an encounter with God. Uh, it wasn't the kind of thing where it was growing into it. It was like an on-off switch. Came home, different. Yeah. Like felt different, mm-hmm. and uh, ended up leaving California, coming home, and so almost where was home, uh, Muncie, Indiana. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. So came home and um, began to go to where my mom was going to church and where we had went after my father left Mormonism, uh, which was Harris Chapel Church of the Nazarene. Mm-hmm. Danny Goddard was pastoring there, pastoring there at that time. Okay. Uh, who's still pastoring today? He's actually pastoring up in Indiana, uh, still in northeastern Indiana. He went to he traveled, went to Oklahoma City, pastored it down there for years, but uh, grew up under him and began to preach there and worked with the youth group and travel and preach. So I've just been traveling ever since. So twenty five years, I guess, I've been mm. traveling and preaching and evangelism and teaching and you know at camps, conferences, revivals, colleges, retreats, anywhere they'll let me. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been doing. And in the last 10 years, uh, doing a little bit more um, teaching oriented stuff outside of the church body, 
more in classroom setting, uh, cl- cl- uh, classroom settings, um, in in different school settings. Mm-hmm. And so, a couple of years ago, we started the City Takers Training Center yeah. here in uh, Lebanon, Tennessee, which was a long time coming. Uh, had had actually participated in three different schools yeah. since really around 2002. Mm-hmm. Uh, we participated in a school in South Carolina. Um, and then, uh, I forget what that one, it slips my mind what it's even called. That's <laughs> sad. Uh, I think it was cross style school of practical ministry, school of practical ministry, Okay, but it was out of South Carolina. It was, it was Christ central ministries and cross style ministries. It was a combination of those two ministries. Okay. And so, <clears throat> and was involved in that. Uh, loosely, and then got more involved in in uh, as that kind of faded and went to its own direction. Um, me and another guy started a practical ministry school. Actually, four other guys started a practical ministry school here in Lebanon, Tennessee, in two thousand and eight. Mm-hmm. And uh, I moved here in two thousand and ten. Bought a house. Actually, didn't live here until two thousand thirteen. Uh, just had a house and had stuff in it and would come and stay for a few months out of the year. Cause we were on the road in evangelism yeah. living out of a bus. Yeah. And so, um, you know, taught, taught here for, uh, about eight years, uh, there in that school regularly. Mm-hmm. And then we, uh, <clears throat> that school kind of shut down and we, uh, it was kind of inherited to Chad Seabright and myself. And for the last two years we've relaunched it and it's been fantastic. Yeah. So that's what I'm, I'm doing now. I'm teaching, I'm still traveling, but it's really, this has been a long time coming. I read a book in college called The New Reformation mm-hmm. by Ogden, and it was about uh, ministry in the body, in the ecclesia, which is not the institution, but in the people. Right. And he really stresses on the, on the, <clears throat> on the priesthood of all believers, mm-hmm. the idea that every single Christian is called to ministry. Right. You know, that there are equippers, there are, you know, pastors, teachers, all that kind of stuff, you know, mm-hmm. but, um, some denominations in, you know, embrace prophets, apostles, whatever, you know, evangelists. So there are equippers, you know, that, that he mentions, Paul mentions in Ephesians chapter five, that's a ministry. They equip the body. So that's their ministry. Right. But the body itself is a ministry to take the message of the gospel into all the world, to be pastors of nations, evangelists of nations, you know, to operate in, in, in community. Right. And so that's what our school is. Our school is, is a, is really an equipping center where everyone is called to ministry and finding their identity in Christ and being launched into ministry. So that's, that's where my heart is in these days and God's mm-hmm. blessing it. I feel, Yeah. but I still do travel and, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, I've been at your church at least once. Well, I've been to all of the churches. You yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you'll, we've got you, well, I think, 2022, 20, something like that. I can't remember. But as an introduction yeah. of myself, yeah, that's kind of... Yeah, good. a little bit of a snapshot. Well, I think our relationship started back in 2006, I think it was, uh, when I first... Uh, I saw you at a, a, at a camp, family camp, uh, in South, or Central Ohio District, and, and then had you uh, come down and, and do a revival for me. And, man, that's we, right. We've been locked in ever since, really. Yeah. And that camp meeting was probably 2004? Five. It had to be probably five. Wow. Yeah, yeah something like that. So, but man, it's, it's good to have you with us here today. I, I think what I'm hoping is, is just to hear from your heart. 
Uh, the, I, I think you do have a heart for pastors. I think I've heard you say that. Absolutely. Um, and I think you have a heart for the church um, and, and not, the, not, the, not the building structure, the, the, the people. And so what, what we just want to do is we want to, we just want to see if there's a possibility of somehow, some way this podcast can just help uh, the relationship between the two. Not that, not that all churches are you know, suffering in those relationships or all pastors are, but let's just be honest. There's a lot of pastors getting out of the ministry right now. Yeah, there are. A lot of them. Um, and there's a lot of dynamics to that, but, but you'd have to believe that, that some of that dynamic uh, has to do with, with relationships and between churches and their and the ministers and so what can we do to help them and to get people to understand that so what we've tried to do is just get people to see pastors as real we're we're, we're real people uh we hurt just like pe- other people do we we get upset just like other people do we we process a, a lot like other people do we raise our kids you know uh, uh just like everybody else does and 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 uh, so all those kind of things, uh, our kids go through the same things everybody other, other kids do, right? I mean, we were just talking about that a minute ago with uh, your son. Uh, kids go through problems, and we're pastors, and just because they're pastors' kids doesn't mean that they're somehow exempt from that or, or, or what. Matter of fact, sometimes I think they, they, they go through some things just no because doubt. they're pastor's no kids, you no know? Doubt. So with that said, um, let's just talk a little bit about the church and what, what do you see? Tell me the difference of what you've seen over the years that you've been in ministry with that relationship between pastors and, and churches. And, and what, what do you see in, you know, as it's progressed where into where we're at today? That's a, that's an enormous subject, <laughs> but a few things popped to mind. First off, I think that when when we say pastor, I think in our context of American life specifically, yeah, that may that term may mean a little different uh, in Brazil, for example, right? Okay, right. but here in American Christianity, um, we're talking about most of the time the leader, the spiritual leader of the church, right? Uh, the father of the church. Um, I, I think, biblically speaking, um, the model of the American church is not necessarily bad, meaning that the position that it puts the pastor in, mm-hmm. a man or a woman who's a pastor, the, the position they're put in, they're almost set up for failure. Wow. I, I really believe that. Um, because... When you get into, irregardless of your theology or your, you know, ecclesiology, how you view church, um, whatever doctrine you're you're persuaded by, in Ephesians, Paul clearly establishes um, the leadership uh, within a body mm-hmm. uh, as as equippers, the apostle, prophet teacher, evangelist, shepherd. Mm-hmm. And a shepherd, when we, I think sometimes when we think of shepherd, we want to translate that pastor. And we, oh, that's my pastor. Well, no, 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 that's not it. And see, a pastors can be more evangelistically gifted mm-hmm. or they can be more missional, apostolic. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's a little bit more to that word apostle than that. Right. But they're missionally gifted. They may, um, you know, have more of a teaching element. Okay, whatever, mm-hmm. whatever it is. Um, and because of that, you know, they end up, you know, trying to fulfill all five uh, mm-hmm. kind of 
highways or lanes in which the you know church is to be built up and equipped and I, I it's you know I, I, I was never trained in that when I went to when I went to college and so we end up you know we end up putting guys in position and we give them tools and and, and we give them we give them uh, you know education on a church growth strategy yeah. okay whether that's spiritual or whether that's you know mm. monetary uh, they there's a church growth strategy in which they're you know trying to build the kingdom mm. and it, it isn't all it isn't altogether bad but you tie into that the leadership of a pastor with you know the performance you know he's in charge of developing the right carrot to get people to come and you know if he does a really good job and the church grows and there's you know and that's not necessarily to take away from the fact that obviously God is maybe bringing in a harvest there um, but it's the pastor's put in a really weighty position, okay? Mm-hmm. And it's and and I don't again associate with pastor with the term shepherd used in Ephesians chapter five. Um, pastor is more of a leader; he's the one that's mm-hmm. hired, you know, yeah. <laughs> kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. And that's just that's that's really crazy because that's not the model of the early church, and, right. and it's, it's what we have in the United States. So, having said that, before the quarantine, that's been the animal. Of of the institution of the of the of the religious institution mm-hmm. uh, of the of the Christian Church in America right. is running that race. You know, um, God has certainly has moved in that, and mm. God certainly uh, I've watched pastors being called to churches and away from churches, and He has been the shepherd and the visionary of that church, and He comes in and God uses Him. People are saved, they're discipled. Okay, totally get it. Not necessarily knocking that, but that was the case. For before the quarantine, right. after the quarantine, it's an indifferent. It is a different animal. And you say, how so? Well, first off, um, I know pastors that can't afford to be pastors anymore. Right. Not like the way they were before. Now they're bivocational. Mm-hmm. And again, see, I travel. You know, I traveled between thirty-five and forty-five weeks a year for twenty-five years. So I see a lot of churches. I see a lot of pastors. I leave this Saturday, right. and I go and preach at one church from a Sunday through Wednesday. And then I preach at another church Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, about 30 minutes apart from, from that other church. So it's in mm-hmm. the same area. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I, I get to see churches all the time. And so I, I'm hearing from churches and they're saying it's hard, you know, we're, we're struggling to make our building payment. And, yep. you know, how do we worship with masks on? And half of my people aren't coming and we're doing online stuff. And he's having to figure out how to be pastor, quote yep. unquote, with that, with that, um, American structure. How does that look in in the age of a quarantine, where I can't get close to them, I can't visit them. Right. There's no marrying and burying like there was. Right. The attendance is is wrong. Worship. I mean, dude. Get, I mean, like seriously, pastors are learning learning entirely new language. Yep. You know, in terms of digital and Zoom and. You know, I, I heard a pastor say, if I'd only invested in Zoom before the quarantine, you know? <laughs> yeah, you know? yeah, financially, so, yeah. I, I say all that to say that yeah. um, I believe in the Bible we have seasons. Mm-hmm. Um, there's the blatant season of uh, the garden. Uh, it was a certain season where God walked in intimacy with man, uh, face-to-face mm-hmm. intimacy. Uh, because of man's sin, there was a new season that came about mm-hmm. where man walked in a broken relationship with God and sin mm-hmm. entered the world. It's an entirely new, a new season. Um, man was was subject to things 
that he before was not. He was subject to the authority that he gave to the enemy, to, to Satan and, mm. and to the demonic. And so, you know, and not to mention the physical implications of thorns and thistles and a body that ages and death and all of that time. Right. So none of that stuff. It's, right. just, it's a different season. Right. And then, of course, the coming of Christ inaugurates the last days, which we've been in for 2,000 years. It's the last season. There's no season after this. It's just the next is the coming of Christ and the inauguration of the kingdom and the returning back to a, a, a right relationship with God and, and the position that God created man to be in. Right. So these are seasons. Now, within those kind of eras or whatever you want to call them, the Bible calls them seasons, days, um, in those seasons, there are smaller seasons. You know, um, I'm, I'm, I'm living in the season of parenting teenagers. Different season, dude. It's a new, it's a new season. Yes, it's different than parenting a junior high boy. Yep, it's different than parenting a little kid, you know, a, a toddler. Don't mm -hmm. I don't miss those seasons. I don't miss that one. I get you. Yeah, I'll, I'll take the teenage season yep. out of that. Yeah, my wife I think loves the baby season. Mm. But yeah, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> we we've entered in. You know, there, we're, we're, mm. uh, that's the season I'm in. The church has entered in a season. At least the church in the United States. And I, I, I hesitate to speak. I hesitate to speak into a third world country because they just function differently yeah. than we do. Yeah. But in the United States, we've entered into a season that has been shockingly horrible because there have been massive amounts of money and infrastructure that, uh, has been, you know, all the kind of, uh, from traveling to vacation to television, entertainment, you know, sports, yep. all these things where we build our life around have been totally pulled down. Yeah. Totally pulled down. And, and gathering together and community and mm -hmm. the faith aspect of all that whole thing. So we've entered into a new season and it's the season where no one who's alive today has ever seen anything like this. Yeah. If I can interject there, cause Dude. really, to be honest, um, it's one of the things that I've tried to stress through our podcast, but especially to our church, uh, I've asked, I've asked for grace, I, you know, cause, cause before, um, if, if I was, if our church was going through something or if we're heading in a direction or whatever, I, ha I had resources, I had friends, I had peers that I could call up and say, Hey, I know, I know you've, you've journeyed, you've, you've, uh, yeah. on the other side of it, tell me what you do, what, what learn, what, what can I learn from you? No I, can, I don't have an anybody answer. to call. No one has an answer. No, because nobody's been through this. You know what they're doing? They're calling me and they're saying, are these the end times? Yeah, yeah. Are, are these the birth pains? Is Christ coming back? Yeah. Is the whole world spinning out of whack? And that's what they read in Revelation. Right. So we've entered into this season where the old way of doing church doesn't seem to apply anymore. Right. And when I say church, again, I'm talking about the American the American version the institutional Christianity, which again, I'm not saying was evil. I think it was mm -hmm. what it was for a season, but I believe we're entering into a new season where we realize showing up to a building on Sunday, hearing a good message, having a good program for our kids, throwing some money in the, in the pot and doing that a couple of times a month is no longer going to cut it. Right. That's not and by the way, I've been against that model from the beginning. Yeah. And, and we're talking about someone who makes his living off of doing that. So that's, yeah. you know, it's a little bit <laughs> bizarre for me to say <laughs> that. But it's almost like I've been in, I'm employed by the church to tell the church they need to operate differently. And so I'm, I'm really moving towards and have been for about 15 years. Um, the kind of church that's described in the New Testament um, where 
It's the ecclesia, which is this Roman term that the disciples used to describe what Jesus talked about, who spoke in Aramaic. They're writing in Greek, so they're describing with a new language, remembering back under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, what was he? This is what he was trying to say, and they find this word ecclesia. It's only used twice in the Gospels. Paul really, really is the one who introduces it. Pauline term, and it's this it's this Roman term of this this culturally subversive group that comes in and changes the culture of an area. Mm -hmm. And for them, it was the introducing Roman culture. Yeah. So for the church, that was the term that was used to describe. It's not. Ecclesia is not an institutional term. Ecclesia is the gathering. Right. It is the assembly of the of the priesthood of all believers who are going to go into a city and radically change the culture by they will live every day. Mm-hmm. And they don't bring people to the gathering to get saved. The getting the gathering is where they're equipped to go into the community to save people. Right. So the salvation and ministry, though it can happen in the ecclesia, that's not really the purpose of the ecclesia. The purpose of the ecclesia was the strengthening of the building and the you know the teaching of of the of the body of Christ to go out and win a world, right. to make disciples. Right. So I, it, honestly, I, what I see since the quarantine, and this is new, we're only talking a couple months here. Right. So this this can change. But what I'm seeing so far is churches are calling me and saying, hey, we want you to come and do revival, but we need something different. Everyone is saying that. Yep. Everyone is sensing we can't go on the way we have. Something's got to change. Mm-hmm. We sense a moving. It's not just culturally adapting like we can't go to the movies anymore let's 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 do something different you know that's not that's not what's going on i believe there is a movement of god in our day where he's where literally he's wanting to do a new new thing right and it, it that new thing is not going to fit in the institutional model of the church right it's not it's not going to fit there it's going to fit within the body walking with him intimately as father and child and he transforms them to transform cities. That's going to take a new model. Right. And Ogden, that's what I said at the beginning of this podcast, Ogden began to write about that in 19, when I read that book, was 1996 or 1997. Yeah. So this, this whether you want to call it a new reformation, which was the title of his book, it's on my Facebook page. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's also this NAR movement, New Apostolic Revelation, which has got a lot of bad press. I mean... I'm sure there are some new apostolic reformation stuff that is, is very unhealthy, mm-hmm. but you know, to associate that with groups like Bethel and, and the global awakening, uh, you know, Randy Johnson, who's also tied in with, with Franklin Graham. I mean, are we going to say Franklin Graham is terrible? You yeah. know I mean? Come on. Well, some would. <laughs> yeah. So it, it just depends who you talking yeah, about, but yeah. I get you. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. there, there's, what is everybody's talking yeah. about this new thing? God, God's doing a new thing. There's, and, and they've been sensing it for the last 20 years right. that there's a there's a new movement of God that's not going to fit into old wineskins. Right. I'm seeing that happen, Rodney. So if you see that, or you're seeing that right now, and and so what you know what can be stated and what can be said, what what can be mentioned here on this podcast to to that pastor that's listening to that congregate congregate who's listening right now and 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 saying you mean we're not going to go back to Sunday school at nine o'clock we're not going to go you know uh, Sunday evening service and Wednesday night move yeah, a lot that. of churches don't do that now anyway Sunday yeah. nights and Wednesday nights but you mean we're not going to be doing those things uh, anymore uh, you know what 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 do, what do we say to them what, what do we well, I'll give you two examples because okay. uh, I'm hearing that. And I don't think the, like some people say, yeah, we're going to get rid of church buildings. That's never going to happen. Right. 
and it shouldn't happen. Right. We've got to have a place where the body comes together, where they fellowship, and where they're strengthened, they're encouraged, where they're trained, where they're equipped. Right. And you can say, well, we don't need a building for that. Well, yeah. Well, in December in Minnesota, uh, when it's, you know, five gather below down, zero. Gather yeah. down by the river. Yeah, gather yeah. down yeah. by the river, yeah. dude. <laughs> See yeah. how that works. Help yourself. <laughs> Okay. Or you can go and, well, we'll just rent. Whatever you do, you're going to end up with a church again right. in our culture, which right. there's nothing wrong with that, right. the building and all that. Okay. So when we talk about institution, I'm not talking about building or location. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about deadbeat show up to church on Sunday. That's the, the sum total of my relationship with Jesus. And um, I pay my tithe. I'm a good moral person. And I sit and vent on Facebook about the woes of this world, but I'm not involved in my local community. I'm not involved on the school board. I'm not involved in, in, in <clears throat> prayer for the city. And I'm not involved in homelessness and women, battered women's shelters. And we, we complain about how bad it is for abortion. Fine. What are you doing in your community to alleviate it? Right. See the institutional model of developing the right carrot, where if the world wants to know about Jesus, they can come to us has to die. Right. It has to die and has to go away. So pastors are calling me saying, you know, I don't want to go back to the old normal. Right. Okay. Now they're not saying I don't want to go back to meeting in a church with a Sunday school. Sunday school is a form of discipleship. That's wonderful. And if it works for you, run with it. If, if small groups works with you, works for you, run with it. Wednesday night teaching. We, we here at the CTTC uh, citywide church, you know, and it's really just a citywide gathering because it's not a church. We, we meet on, on Thursday night and do discipleship Thursday night for the city. Anybody who wants to know what we're teaching in our school can come on Thursday night and be exposed to it. Right. The Thursday night, what whatever works for you, whatever works for you, discipleship, you know, all that goes on with a body of people gathering together, that's fine. Yeah. So when pastor said, I don't want to return to the, you know, the old normal, they're talking about the routine of no urgency. Yeah. everything's easy going and I show up to church and that's showing up to a building is my form of Christianity. Now coupled with that, what I'm also hearing is a pastor called me from up North and I, for confidentiality, I won't say his name. Right. Pastors of church around six, 700, uh, Nazarene guy. And, uh, he's really, he's really having a difficult time with his DS cause he feels the Lord leading him. And they meet in like a non-owned building they, gotcha. in a big city, a big city provided building. It's like, I don't know if it's a convention center. I forget what it is. A movie house, something. And they meet and do, I mean, blowout performance and evangelism. And it's, it's wonderful and awesome, but he just feels God leading a new way. He wants to meet once a month. And then the other three weeks, he wants to meet in house church format mm -hmm. where there's discipleship and gathering and you're, you're literally overseeing group leaders as shepherd communities within mm. a community. Yeah. Now, he called me. He says, hey, you know, this is off the record, which, of course, I'm going to talk about it on a <laughs> podcast. That's hysterical. You know, but I went to college with this guy. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's he's firebird, man. He's phenomenal. He's yeah. out. I mean, he's out of the box. He's, dude, I love him. I mm -hmm. love him. And um, he's killing it. And I, I told him, I said, man, I... His, its heart is what I recognized. His heart mm -hmm. is is what does the church look like going forward from this moment in the new thing that God is doing? And it's not just about wearing masks and coming to church on Sunday. There's a different season that you can sense spiritually. Yeah, I I, I feel it, Rodney. Yeah, I feel it. And so 
And I do believe that's going to manifest physically, which we're seeing some of that manifestation. Right. But, but the encouraging thing for pastors is to is to is to hear from the Lord what is his strategy for the season in which we're in. And and let me conclude with this. I don't want to bogart your podcast, but I read this article at the beginning of the pandemic. I think I put it on my Facebook page, Jeremiah Bullock Ministries, Facebook. And it was Martin Luther who was writing from his parish. I'm pretty sure this was pre-Reformation. Might not have been before he actually nailed it to the wall, went underground, so to speak. But it was during the bubonic plague, and it was how to survive and minister during a pandemic. And I was like, wow. you can, and I was like, you can be kidding me. I yeah. grabbed it, read it, phenomenal. Yeah. And I posted. It was a combination of using your intelligence combined with faith. And okay. I posted on my Facebook. Yeah. And so what I'm saying is, is that when you look throughout history, there are pandemic level tragedies right whether biological whether through war pearl harbors right you know 911s yep. that radically shake us loose from the comfortable day in and day out routines of religious institutional mm-hmm. christianity and we say what does it look like going forward and at that time i believe it's the pastor's job under the gift and graces that god has given him mm. to keep his ear to the father of how do we minister in this coming season Okay, so we we kind of we've we've talked to the pastor, we've talked to him right now in this yeah. podcast, and and I hope pastors are hearing this and listening to to this and encouraged yeah. by this. Listen, I I could I I'll just say this. I think you'll agree with me. Pastoring is not for the faint of heart. Oh my! If if yeah. if, if you're worried, uh, well, about, if you're not called, don't do it. Yeah, had, yeah. How many pastors have told? Like I remember Danny Goddard. <laughs> he, he had the famous old school guys. You know, they sit me down and say, "If you can do anything else, exactly, do it." Carl Smith told me the same thing. <laughs> yeah, I went to him. I said, "Hey, I'm feel called to preach." He said, "He, you see in his eyes, going, don't do it, don't, don't do, do it. no." But he yeah. just says to me, he "Goes, if you can do anything else and stay in the center of God's will, do it, do it." He said, "But if not, preach." Absolutely, you know. Dude, and I, I still to this day I remember that. But I can tell you this much: when he said it back then, I didn't have any idea what he's talking about. Yeah, I really didn't. I didn't. I didn't kind of embrace it. But man, yeah. as I've gotten older. I understand what he's talking about. Right. Uh, so we've talked to the pastor. What can we say to the church? What can we say to the people? Because here's something that, that really I, I think you and I would agree, and you you say it so much better than I do. Um, <laughs> I you, say, you, you say you say there's there's got to be this hunger. You know, there's got to be this hunger for God. Yes, and and which and, comes from God. Which comes from God. So so you know, I am am, am I fair to say is is that what we would want to really share with the congregation tonight, today, mm-hmm. uh, in this podcast, when it comes to this, this not, not necessarily just, I, I can just say it like this. If, if, if there's this hunger for God and this pursuit of, of him and, and, and all that he has uh, and, and all that he desires to give through, to us and through us and do and be for us, um, then, then really in the midst of that, relationships are, are what they were intended to be from your perspective as an individual, meaning that your relationship with your pastor, your relationship with their family, with other families within the church, within the body is, is truly when, when we're pursuing Christ into, in that dynamic, then those relationships are, are, are very, are the very relationships that Christ 
longs to have with with them and with you as well. So would that be fair to say? Well, it's interesting. I don't know if I'm putting it. No, no, no. I may good. be butchering that. No, no. Bad. Hear this. Um, you're coming back to what I was pointing out earlier. We put pastors in a no-win position. Yeah. Uh, well, there's all these little tongue-in-cheek kind of sayings. You can please uh, some of the people all the time. And <laughs> what is it? No- you, you can please some of the people some of the time. Yeah. But you can't please all the people all the time. Yeah. Is that right? Something like Something that. Like, it's, it's better. I should yeah. have written it down. But it came, <laughs> came to my mind. But you put a pastor in a position where, again, he's not the fullness of the equipping as Paul. See, Paul described an equipping agent within the ecclesia, within the body, right. that there is this leadership, which mm-hmm. is never one man, which we've made that we in have. the church of the Nazarene. Right. So what I'm getting at is you're going to have, oh, I love my pastor on one guy. Why? Because he needs a shepherd. Right. Well, then the other guy who doesn't need a shepherd, or at least, you know, he will at times in his life, but he is driven by evangelism and right. reaching the lost. Hey, he's okay, but our pa- our pastor, you know, he doesn't, uh, boy, he didn't reach out to the homeless enough. He didn't reach out, or, or my pastor didn't come and visit me, or, or we don't, he's not a worship. And see, everybody's like, he can't be 50 different people. Right. Okay. So the pro what, what I, what the problem I see with the American church is we set pastors up for failure. Mm. We do really do. Yeah. Now, can he develop a culture around him, which is what successful pastors do. They know how to lead people. Yeah. And so they develop and they know how to set, establish a culture. Mm-hmm. And so if you want to be at that kind of a church that has that kind of a feel on worship, go to that church. You want to have right. that kind of church that has that kind of a feel on teaching. That's where you go. Right. You want to go to that kind of church that has that kind of a feel on shepherding, on, on being shepherded and, right. and care, that's where you go. You know, And so you have these churches that grow underneath the culture of a pastor. So you'll see, for example, uh, a pastor that pastors for 25 years. Mm-hmm. I just saw this. I was just at a church out in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Uh, had a pastor there was for 25 years, retired. In the last five years, I've had six pastors. Wow. You say, why? Uh, they're looking for the pastor that they had for 25 years. Exactly. And they set the new guy. So the DS, shame on him, no offense, but the DS, shame on him. He's probably not listening. No, oh, I hope not. <laughs> but he's putting that new pastor yes. in a position to fail. Exactly. Okay, why? Because that pastor who was there for 25 years had gifts and graces and he operated those and developed a culture where those were ex- not only accepted but championed and it redefined what a pastor should look like. Yep. And then they ministered like that, and they were successful. Right. Church ran four, five hundred, and it was great. But I'm sure it was lacking in certain areas, personally. Right, right. but excelling in others. But excelling in others. So you have a new this, pastor yeah. comes in that's just as wonderful, right. but he's not gifted like that other pastor. Right. He's not inclined like that other pastor, yeah. and he's going cross grain to that culture, and they get rid of him. Yeah. So my point is, is what if the church going forward could look different? Mm-hmm. Um. I'm probably fighting a losing battle because just because it's too long to go into that. But I, I would say that what would it be like to have a pastor that would say, I, I don't have it all. I don't have all the answers. I, I don't, I'm not gifted in all the things, mm. you know what? And I, I know and, and again, they do these kind of like really shallow spiritual gift tests in college, but I think we're on the right way, on the right, on the right path, honestly. And, and, you know, developing this kind of, ordained, godly, spirit-led training where a pastor comes to know his identity in Christ and where he's called and where he's, where he needs to be, mm-hmm. you know, giving his efforts. And then he puts around him people that 
that he can lead, but that are going to fill the gaps. So you have a shepherd pastor. You mm-hmm. need to bring a slide uh, alongside yourself, a teacher. You need to bring along yourself, yeah. side someone with more of a, a missional, yep. you know, deal. you yep. bring someone alongside you that has a, you know, more of a intercessory prophetic kind of uh, ministry deliverance ministry. Right. And you, you begin, then when you bring someone in through evangelism, Okay, because you have an evangelist guy or you have an evangelist team. So you bring your, your people are being trained in evangelism. When they come in, you are the father, you're the pastor. There's mm-hmm. nothing wrong with that, a shepherd. Nothing wrong with that. But you know, a pastor isn't necessarily a shepherd. So you have your pastor, leader, and then under him, you have these lanes of biblical church being established where people are saved. They're shepherded, yep. they're discipled, yep. they're set free and delivered, and they're operating as the priest that God has called them to be the exactly. priest. That, that's, exactly. what's, that's what Ogden's talked about. Dude, this is, and people's going to listen to me and say, well, he's talking about new. No. This has been talked about for 25, 30 years in the in the seminaries, and it somehow never, never trickles down to the church right. because these pastors come out with this kind of, you know, it come, they come out with this new kind of passion, and the church doesn't want to hear it. Until you come into a new seasonal pandemic shakeup, yeah. and then you yeah. can. These are the hours where this yeah. new thing can be yeah. implemented. So would you? Would you? And, and correct me. Just say no. I, don't, I wouldn't agree with that. But would you agree to this thought that the opportunity to 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 experience, see it, embrace it, this this possibility of 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 going in this direction that you're talking about that we're we're talking about. I mean. We, we're sitting on the precipice of that right now to be able to embrace it, move towards so. that. And, and, and so, uh, what, you know, would you, would you, would you just, what, what can we do to uh, help the church today? It's what I've been doing. I've been getting out of my own little bubble because what happens is my whole world got turned upside down in, in April 1st. Yeah. Like everybody's, uh, schedule dropped, locked in at home. Scared that I'm going to die of this mysterious disease that came from China. Yeah, I'm wearing these, looking online for a mask that I can't find. I can't find toilet paper anywhere. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. going out collecting oak leaves. It's wonderful. <laughs> and you know, I mean, dude, it was a world changing thing. It April, was. May, June, July. Yep. And for some, it's still going on. I meet some like I, I had an evangelist meeting with some guys last week, uh, and there's some guys that aren't even going out until like you know, their people are still sketchy for January, February. Yeah, and. Yep. I'm one of the fortunate ones where churches are calling me saying, we want you to come because people are asking questions. People are saying, where do we go from here? Right. So I, I really think in this season of, of wake up, right. that God allows these kinds of things. And by the way, I don't know if I should say this on your podcast, but um, the word quarantine, have we talked about this? No, go ahead. Come on. Oh, dude. Buddy of mine uh, was in prayer and um, his name is Anthony Turner. You can go search him on Google. You're following and just he's okay. a phenomenal guy. Okay. And not a Nazarene guy. He's uh, I don't even know what denomination he is, but he's just ridiculous. But he was um, in prayer and he heard the term, uh, kept hearing quarantine. I kept hearing quarantine. He's like, yeah, Lord, I know we're in quarantine. And he, re- he received a strong impression for the Lord. I just need to study that term. Yeah. He kept hearing it. Yeah. And so um, he went and studied it and it's from the Latin meaning 40. 40. Yeah. And so he was like, it sprung in his spirit. And he said, I went throughout the New Testament and looked at all the places where 40 happened. And whether it's 40 days in the wilderness, whether it's 40 days 
of uh, Jesus, you know, in the desert area wilderness. Yeah, yeah. You know, all these different 40 periods of time, you know, the, mm-hmm. um, it's always a testing and purifying time um, where Jesus came out of the power of the Holy Spirit, you know, whereas maybe you don't pass the test or you whatever and you end up in captivity. Right. And he just he said he felt less led from the Spirit that, you know, we've entered into a season where the Lord is just... You know, when you get locked into a house with your wife and kids for three, four months straight, you're going to know what kind of marriage you have. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. Uh, what, what, exactly. Well, seriously, we talk about how strong a church is. You're going to know. Yes. You're going to know. Yeah. And so, and I meet pastors that say still 60% haven't come back. You yeah. know, they've, yeah. they've been comfort just to, comfortable just to tune in because it's socially acceptable. I can just tune in at home. Mm-hmm. You know, not all. I'm not casting stones, but there's some that say, eh, you know, it's easier to stay in bed. Oh, there's, there's, yeah. You're a pastor. Yeah. You know what I'm talking oh, about. I know, I know. And so, yeah. you know, it isn't about the body. It isn't about mission. It isn't about taking the kingdom. It's about my spiritual, you know, American, yeah. what, what do I do to, in order to get into heaven yeah. and pass the test? Those, those kinds of people, I don't think bear the fruit of one who knows him and who's driven by him to change an entire culture. I think the word church and the word ecclesia are two different things. Mm -hmm. So when we're going into this new, this new season, which we are, how do we do church in this? I think we need to look at church differently. And I think we need to look at um, what is my personal responsibility and how do you want me to function as your child? Right. And, you know, what do you want to do in my life? And that spills over in the body. Yeah. Whether you gather on Sunday, Saturday night, Thursday, Wednesday, whatever. Right. Right. I, I do. I think, I really think that's where we're going. I think, and again, I think people have been writing about this for 25, 30 years. We've been seeing symptoms mm, of this. Yeah. You know, that, that I go to a conservative, I'm in a conservative Nazarene church. I'm a conservative um, Wesleyan denomination. Right. Uh, you know, we have many schools across the country. Um, we're not known to be adventurous or, uh, we're not. Yeah, yeah. Sure. no, 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 we don't push yeah. the boundaries. I yeah. mean, if we I just heard, heard a bunch of Baptists talking about us the other day <laughs> on know, the pop, pop, podcast, I was yeah. like, it's funny. Yeah. <laughs> well, if we sway back and forth, you're radical, <laughs> but within that circle yeah. in my systematic theology class, mm-hmm. I'm reading books like Mr. Dr. Ogden's yeah. the new reformation, something new is happening. And, and, and so what I said earlier is just uh, a minute, moment ago is that um, what, what can I do as the church? Stand up and look around. Begin to read some of what's going around. Let the Holy Spirit guide you to what's trash and what's not. Yep. And um, you know, continue to gather with believers. If you cannot go to a church, which you can go to a church. I'm pretty sure you can go to a church. Yep. Just go. Yep. Just go. And uh, if you have to wear a mask or a plastic bag tied around your neck, yeah. whatever, yep. show up. And, and, you know, listen, pray, seek, worship. But we've got to get out of this model that I show up to church on Sunday, I'm a good moral person, I don't kill anybody, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm therefore I'm going to heaven. That kind of Christianity needs to be burnt down and thrown away. Yeah, amen. That isn't too aggressive for your podcast. No, that was good. That was good. <laughs> what we'll do is... Uh, we'll, and we want to thank Jeremiah. Yeah, it's good to have him here. No. <laughs> No, what what uh, we kind of just as we get ready to close up, we're we're uh, we're wrapping up here today. Uh, first of all, just want to thank you for being a part, man. This is you, man. awesome. Um, I I usually like to I, we. 
just in this aspect of being real, and I think people when they look at you and uh, they they just see realness. I, do, I know they do. <laughs> they see outlandish. <laughs> look at me. You know, it's funny you said that. I don't want to interrupt you, but no. when I first began in ministry, I was the See, it's cool now for the pastor to get up in the Christian T-shirt and yeah. the jeans yeah. and all yeah. that, you know. Yeah. Dude, I was doing that back in the late 90s when it was not cool. Right. When, right. like, at least in my denomination, several denominations, yes. where yeah. if you came in and you had a beard like I do down to your belly button, yeah. and, you know, you had tattoos all over and you wore a T-shirt. Isn't it funny, and- though? You were, you were okay to go, to go preach to the teens, that's right. But you weren't okay to go preach to the adults. Yeah. It's hilarious. And then they started allowing me. And, and, yeah. and basically what, what it came about was from a DS told me this. Um, I was in uh, this DS, Dr. Jones. I'll go ahead and say his name. Dr. Jones, West okay. Texas District DS. Corey, okay. jo- Corey Jones' dad. If you're in the church, then I was Oh, okay. Him. I didn't know that was his yeah, dad. Yeah, okay. his dad. Yeah, gotcha. And he had used to have me for camp meeting. And I uh, came in one afternoon and been, they had this big ordination service. They're all dressed up, taking pictures, all this stuff. I come in cleats on been playing softball stomping. <laughs> i'm the camp meeting speaker he looks over at me and goes jeremiah if you didn't have the message we wouldn't put up with your antics <laughs> basically what it was. but i was i was allowed to because i was an appeal to the younger crowd and the the young 20s and 30s which they were trying to get into the church and i had the message yeah. of the older group. So they compromised. They tolerated my yeah. genes. But little did they know, that's how everyone acts. Because I think the church for a long time has been saying, I want to know what pastor looks like outside of the suit and tie. Right, right. Hey, can I give you, let me just end it with this. I got a, got a similar story. Uh, I was, um, I, of course, I'm in a new church, and uh, they love your church. Oh, I do too, man. They're, they're awesome. What, but the church I came from, uh, I had so many sermons that were on YouTube, on Facebook, all that kind of stuff. And so you you kind of knew what how I preached and you knew what how I dressed and all that kind of stuff. So coming to this new church, I had an elderly gentleman come up to me uh, one Sunday. Uh, and I'm I'm there with some jeans, a nice shirt, and I got a vest. I like some, uh, I get a little cool, you know. <laughs> so I'm wearing a vest. And he comes up to me and he just, just flat out tells me. Nice gentleman, not disrespectful, just blunt, honest. He said to me, he goes, your dress offends me. I said, well, let's talk about that. So, so I don't greet anybody else at the end of the service, right? I'm, it's just me and him talking. And, and I finally explained to him, I said, I want to be approachable. I want everybody to be approachable, to, to be able to approach, feel comfortable approaching me. I said, let me ask you something. Have you ever gone to an event where you walked in and everybody was in suit and ties and you didn't know it and you weren't. He said, yeah. I said, how'd you feel? Like I wanted to go home. Yeah. That's what I don't want at this church. No. I don't want people to walk through that door and look around and go, I do not belong here. Now, because you're a shepherd and I'm a teacher, mm-hmm. I would look at him and say, did you know <laughs> that there is no biblical precedent for changing any kind of clothing when you come into a house of prayer or worship other than covering and uncovering the head. Right. And what your version of Christianity, which is thoroughly American institutional Christianity comes from the little house in the prairie days where you wear wear your best to church. I got a great ending on this. Okay. (laughs) Cause this is what happened. So I'm leaving that Sunday to go for two weeks vacation and it takes me about three hours in my truck, pulling my camper, heading south to the beach to finally calm down. That's Seriously, because I'm like worked up. 
heavily. My wife's looking at me glasses. I told her, I said, just give me a little bit. That's it. Just don't talk. So finally, I'm going away and everything. I come back. I think it was two weeks. Anyway. And you showed um, him a picture of you in your Speedo? Yeah. (laughs) In shorts. Yeah, shorts. It was good. Yeah. So I come back. And, and I'm preaching that, that Sunday I get back, right? And, or whatever, the next Sunday I get back, I'm preaching. And I happen to look out and I see him. Now, this is a guy, three-piece suit, bud, three-piece suit, or at least a sports coat yeah, and, yeah, and, yeah. And, you know, and, and stuff like that. I look out. He is in uh, khakis and a, and a button-up short sleeve Dude! Shirt. Seriously. And, and you know what he said? He said to me, he said, I don't want to be unapproachable. This guy's 89 years old. It speaks to a lot about your leadership as a shepherd oh, and being man. trusted. I love it. I do too, buddy. Thanks for having me, Ryan. Hey, man, this has been good. Love having you. Listen, Jeremiah Bolick, uh, listen, go check out his Facebook page. Uh, you got a website too, don't you? Yeah. Uh, JeremiahBolick.com. Yep. Is that right? Yep. Go check him out, man. It is great to have you with us here today. My wife is going to be so bummed. But I see that. So it's her loss, right? <laughs> so, hey, God bless you, man. Thanks for being with us here on the podcast. And uh, we look forward to uh, being with you guys next week. Take care.